friends to Discipleship Conversations, a podcast featuring, well, Discipleship Conversations between Jeremy Hoover and Stephen Carazel. We believe that discipleship in its most simple form is about following Jesus within the kingdom vision of the biblical narrative. In these conversations, we reflect with more detail on what that means. Your co-hosts for the podcast are me, Jeremy Hoover, and Stephen Carazel. Jeremy is focused on a discipleship-oriented church plant in Sarnia, Ontario, and Stephen concentrates on discipleship and spiritual formation in his work as associate minister with the Alta Mesa Church of Christ in Fort Worth, Texas. Thank you for joining us for another Discipleship Conversation, where we reflect on what it means to live as a follower of Jesus on mission, where discipleship and the kingdom of God call us into a new reality and give us a new script for life. Hey friends, welcome uh, to another session of uh, Discipleship Conversations. Uh, so thanks for joining us today. I'm uh, Stephen Carazel. I'm here with uh, Jeremy Hoover, and uh, we're enjoying a conversation together and uh, on this book, Discipleship in Community, uh, that we've been reviewing. We're on chapter six uh, today, and um, experiencing God in community, uh, the sacrament. So first of all, say hi, Jeremy. How are you doing? Hey, Stephen, I'm doing well. Um, you know, I had an interesting experience this week. I was uh, opening my, I use Google Podcasts, and I was uh, opening it up to look at what had come in that was new, and I saw our podcast in there. And that, uh, that, was, that was pretty cool. I know I've subscribed to it, but it was still nice to see it come down. And just a reminder to folks that you can find the podcast in Google, Spotify, Apple, Podbean as well as at the discipleshipconversations.com website or at our new Facebook page, facebook.com slash discipleship conversations. Yeah. Thanks for that. Uh, good plug there. Uh, just want to remind everybody about uh, uh, we've got several episodes, but uh, I was uh, a couple weeks ago, I was just listening to the conversation we had with, with uh, Greg McKenzie mm -hmm. and, uh, listening to that again was really helpful as I thought about the book again and uh, some of the things that they were after and it was very helpful. I want to encourage people to, uh, if you haven't yet, go back and listen to that uh, conversation, uh, share that with others. I know um, doing that also helps them as authors uh, promote the book. And uh, anyway, Greg was really good for us and uh, we hope to have him on. In fact, I think uh, we've got him scheduled uh, to come back on at the end of our discussions on the chapters and uh, particularly uh, to kind of finish that up and maybe talk a little bit more about theological reflection. So uh, we're looking, looking forward, forward to that, that as we, uh, as we get to the end of the book. Uh, so let's get back to this, the theme uh, in this chapter. Um, just reading the, uh, the title, we get a word that maybe is not used very much in church of Christ circles. Certainly wasn't one that I grew up, uh, hearing at all uh, until I was probably an adult. Um, they're opening in their opening paragraph. There's a couple sentences I'm gonna highlight. Uh, probably the first and the last sentence of the paragraph. Uh, disciples walk in a sacramental path stepped off by Jesus. Disciples follow Jesus from the baptismal waters to the Eucharistic tables, 
anointed with the spirit and empowered for the mission. So another word, Eucharist, uh, we don't use very much. The authors have been, I think, diligent and uh, intentional in bringing in language from uh, the larger Christian conversation and Christian tradition and uh, showing where we intersect with that in our, uh, our particular fellowship of Churches of Christ. Um, I know that that's resisted by some and embraced by others. Um, what, uh, what I think they've done here is really instead of, instead of shutting off a traditional or maybe stereotypical view of what we, what we call the ordinances or the practices of communion and baptism, instead of shutting that off, they're, they're expanding. It's not an either or conversation, which often happens when you say, is it this or is it this? Is it a sacrament or is it a memorial or is it an ordinance? And you're trying to find all those words and trying to, trying to cut it up. Uh, they're really bringing a full bodied understanding. And that's something I appreciate. This both and language expands the meaning of these practices that are so integral to churches of Christ. We've talked so much about them. And I think they, uh, the conversation of, of sacramental theology infuses uh, these practices with uh, even more meaning. Um, I don't know. That's my first impression with, with the intro. I don't know. I don't know. Jeremy, did you, would you walk away with anything like that? I walked away with a better appreciation for the idea of sacramental theology. I will fully admit that uh, as woke as I believe I have become to some of the failings in our heritage that you and I have talked about, I still have struggled. I've, I've kind of stumbled around the word sacrament. I, I don't, I don't like it. It um, I, I think I like the earthiness of, of what, these things represent and i've i've struggled with the word sacrament because it it reminds me of of a higher church theology which i'm not opposed to at all uh but in in my practice i've i've been lower church i think however yeah. ha, well let me let me just go on having said that the way that they presented it and your language of both and was excellent and the way that they throughout the chapter draw it on Jesus's life and how sacramental his life was. And the idea that, that sacrament doesn't represent something other. It represents the way that the other is being mediated in the presence or in the present rather for me, that was really key. And I'm really looking forward to diving into this chapter because it gave me more depth to understand these practices that are so important to not just you and I, but to our entire fellowship. Yeah, I, I, I appreciate that uh, kind of uh, you appreciating them and the way they present that. Uh, I use another some other language that um, I think sometimes is not helpful to us uh, about a high view and a low view. Mm -hmm. And and sometimes we we think that as in we relate that or equate that with a a a better view or a poor view, you know, so which one's better, a high view? Well, you have a low view of this. Well, it doesn't sound doesn't sound very respectful or like or very thoughtful of of my my perspective. And so while it's trying to say something about uh, language and the 
the commonness or the sacredness or whatever, uh, it often it often suggests that maybe my view is not as good as as someone else's view or you know I think of, I'm I appreciate this more than you do and, and so it's it's a little bit it's a little bit different and so uh, so when so we associate sometimes with a high view and that could seem to people who come from a, a I like your word earthy uh, <laughs> earthiness of it as you know, a high view of something could sound uppity or braggadocious or, you know, something. It's so those things um, put something on a scale that I don't think are always helpful to us. For sure. Um, so uh, I've struggled with that as well uh, in, in trying to understand. So I'm just going to use a sentence that they or read a sentence that they use kind of a definition uh, that might help us with sacramental theology, sacramental sacramentality is the pervasive active presence of God within the creation and throughout history of God with humanity. Um, it's on page 121. The idea that God is present in all things of life in these moments, particularly in communion and baptism. I think sometimes, you know, in the historical church at large, uh, sacramental might be uh, connected to magical, you know, something, this idea of that we don't understand, you know, something happens in a magical kind of way rather than, I don't think, I, I think that's the wrong way to think about it. God is present in a way that provides mystery and also assurance in what we do. Uh, and I, I think that they, instead of trying to say, this is not earthy, this is something more than that. It says there's earthiness to it, to use your word. I like that. And there's something deep beyond there's mystery, there's earthiness and there's mystery, uh, to this. There's something very tangible to what we do in communion and baptism. And there's something very deep and mysterious about that too. And it's because of the presence of God. Mm-hmm. And just as God has been mystery, uh, he's also been tangible, which is what we find uh, in Jesus, right? The incarnation. Yeah. Uh, something well, mysterious becomes flesh and blood. Yeah. I mean, the both and, like you said, I, I think that's one reason why I've struggled with the sacraments. I mean, often, you know, I, I use the high church, low church analogy, which is... Uh, not intended on my part to, to say one's better than the other, but I, I think maybe there is some of that, that the higher church has something that's more stately about it, something that's more preserved, and the, the low church doesn't have the same elegance to it. There, there may be some of that in that kind of language, but when I think about uh, the language that says, let's, let's receive the sacrament, to me, that's where I've struggled with that that concept so there's something other that has to be received just at this moment whereas the sacramental theology that's being presented in this chapter rather than saying let's receive the sacrament it's something it's something it's not that the the communion or the lord's supper or the table in itself is the sacrament rather it's something is happening sacramentally 
in the process of sharing in that together. And for me, that's a really important distinction, a really big distinction. It's the sacramentalism that is occurring when we share around the table together, when we enter into the waters of baptism. And I, I think that's the key distinction that you and I are going to flesh out. Yeah, I think I go back to just the presence of God in mm -hmm. this. And that's what helps me. And sometimes that that takes away, you know, perhaps the the, the obstacle of sacrament that I'm I'm saying when I say sacrament, I mean this. And when you say sacrament, it means this. You know, we can lose that on that word. But when I think about it, just the for me, it op opens up maybe it causes another obstacle for somebody, but I just think about the presence of God in this. God mm -hmm. is here in this moment, in these things, in us, uh, as we participate, the spirit is filling us in this moment, uh, in a particular way, uh, with, uh, these, these actions, these practices. Um, so I, that's, I think they provide a good overview of what sacramental theology is. And in particular, how that interacts with our, our tradition, which, uh, you know, I was discovering that Campbell was Campbell, even our, the people in our tradition were not, they didn't have a, a unified view on that either. Uh, and some were more sacramental, some were less sacramental. Campbell seems to have the one that uh, had the view that was more sacramental. And, uh, you know, I just didn't, even in, even in two restoration history classes, uh, undergrad and grad, there wasn't a lot of talk about that. And I, I you know, maybe just didn't want to bring that up, but I feel like in some ways we suppress that a bit. Uh, I personally lean to it. I love the thought of it. I think it brings, I think a sacramental theology brings deep, deep thinking, deep thought to the practices of baptism and, and communion that makes them more than just a deed mm -hmm. that we did. Yeah, you know, we often talk about how sometimes people view those things as it's just checking. You know, I, check, I checked off my duty today. I took the Lord's Supper and it was a duty. I just did it. Mm -hmm. There wasn't anything in it. It was just that I did it. That was the important thing. And rather than stopping to recognize that, uh, yes, it's important that we do it. But two, there's a reason why it's a place of meeting God. Um, Stephen, I think it's so important that we recover something of this sacramental understanding because of that very thing that you just mentioned, that we take the Lord's Supper as a deed. We get baptized as a deed. Like, I think back, now, I know, the, the two examples I'm going to give are limited because I'm going to be speaking about examples from my childhood. But I, there is a sense there in which I think this is what was conveyed to me. And my... You know, I, I think back as a, as a teenager, when I began contemplating baptism, it was always in response to, okay, we're, the, he's going to throw the invitation out here at the end of a sermon. We're going to sing a, a song that's got a repeated chorus that's designed to uh, help a person think through, is this the time? I remember standing in the pew, uh-oh, Josh has gone forward to get baptized now. I'm the next oldest. It must be my, I'm next in line. It's my turn next. And there wasn't really the, uh, a sense, that, you know, that this, like we, I guess we used the language, but the circumstances around baptism were never really the idea of going into the water or through the water to find salvation or, or to meet God, uh, to have God's spirit come in. And, and likewise with, uh, with the Lord's Supper, 
I mean, we never emphasize table. You know, we call it the Lord's table, but we, we never emphasize table. And I remember as a kid, I actually have this memory of thinking, oh, I guess you must have to be angry if you're going to be serving at the Lord's table because the guys would stand up there and they always had a stern look. And as they would go row to row passing the tray, they always had a stern look. And I know that's ridiculous to say, but as a child, that's what was conveyed to me. As, as they talked about in this book, there was no joy or at least no, no outward expression of joy. Uh, there was really almost no sense of community. It was, it was very much done as a memorial, as a deed. And um, just thinking back, I can't be the only one to have memories like that. Uh, but I think that expresses the absence of having any kind of a sacramental understanding of what was happening. There was really no notion that God and his activity was present in either of those things. And as true as that is, I felt like once I began to understand sacrament and sacramental theology, I felt like that was that churches of Christ were closer to that than some other ideas because uh, we believe something happens. We believe something happens in baptism. We believe something happens in communion. We may not express that in particular ways, but uh, we, we believe in something uh, that something happens. And so the sacramental theology uh, helped me understand uh, that a little bit better. So an example I have, you told us a story from your childhood. This is not from my childhood, but uh, although one from our childhood is that I used to think, I used to look at communion like, you know, you take the bread, then you drink the juice, and then you pay for it. That's what the, <laughs> that's what you paid for what you ate or something. That's kind of the, how it kind of came out to me. But awesome. a, more recent, a more recent story and more a little more, a little more serious is that I – probably a couple years ago, I was just going through a really tough time and where a sense where I felt distant from God and um, what I did. And I shared this with my church family at, at some point uh, at a communion meditation. And I, I just said, I said, God, I'm here. I'm showing up in this moment. It was at communion. That was what I brought with me to communion every week. I'm here. I'm showing up. I'm, I'm ready to meet you. And I had that conversation. It felt like a one-sided conversation for, I don't know if it was months or weeks or months. I don't know, but it was a while, but it was like, it was an invitation. I was, I was making myself present. I was asking God to be present. And at some point in that it happened. I don't want to go to this magic thing or anything like that, but there was, I met God in communion. Uh, I think that's sacramental theology. I believe that God is present, becomes present to us in a way here that's different than other places, but the same as everywhere else. It's, mm -hmm. it's, it's hard. I don't want to put too much in one moment, but there is this, this connection with the presence of God. And that's kind of how I feel about uh, the idea of sacramental theology. Man, Stephen, I think that's a great story, a great example. I love the story about paying for communion. <laughs> that's that's really good. But uh, you know, as you were as you were sharing there with your more serious example, 
it reminded me of the story in Luke 24 when the the disciples that were that were traveling with Jesus and didn't realize it as they sat down to break bread together they recognized the presence of Jesus in that moment yep. and that that's exactly what it that's exactly what it is and I want to be careful with my word here. I was going to say the only critique I would have about your story, and it's not a critique, but I think it's a, it's a comment that I think you'll agree with is that, is that your, your perception in that moment was individual. And we, we want the Lord's supper time, the communion that the sacrament of that, we want to recover a communal dimension to that. And not yes. that there, there's nothing wrong with that. Per, and I, I've had a couple of very meaningful individual experiences like that as well during communion. And so I, I, I hope it doesn't sound like I'm disparaging that at all because I'm not, but I'm saying, how can we recover that communal dimension as we think about what's happening sacramentally when the, the church comes around the table? I think that's, I think that's right. And yes, it was an individual moment. And so again, there's a, there's a sense of, is this individual or communal? And the answer is yes. Uh, it is an individual moment. It's also a communal moment. And sometimes I need an individual moment uh, to bring me more present in the communal moment. Uh, but sometimes I can, I mean, my participation in it was communal. And mm -hmm. maybe the, the community carried me through mm -hmm. those moments uh, to get to the individual moment. And so, I mean, that's, Boy, that's good. That's, uh, that's, I think that's maybe, I don't know, that may be taking it down the more complex road, but I feel like, um, that's what the community is for. I don't and, think it, it is taking us down a more complex road. I think that's exactly what you and I are trying to flesh out. Like, I don't think either of us are coming into this particular episode feeling like we're like we're experts in any of this like there there's been some chapters that we've talked about where i felt like i think i have a pretty good grasp on not just the history of this concept but also the practice within our, our fellowship and uh i don't feel that way on this on this one i feel very much like a learner and i think i think you do too and i think we're trying to we're trying to put pieces together as we go here about what does this actually look like uh in our in our in our practice what is how does the sac how does the sacramentalism of this act affect the function and the reality of what it is that we're doing and and so i i think that's very right for you to say maybe the community brought me to this because that that's that's it we're we're working it out as we talk here uh, i think that's I think that's right as well. And so we, and so I also am thinking about the previous chapter where the focus was on the assembly. And so in some ways, this is like a part A, part B. Uh, the previous chapter is part A and, and this chapter is part B of a, of a, of a framework of what happens uh, with, uh, within the assembly. The, the previous chapter kind of focuses on the coming together as an assembly and the presence of God in the assembly. Um, and then in this chapter, it, 
it focuses on two things uh, that are really strong practices that really uh, important practices for Christian faith as a whole, but also for churches of Christ in, in, in particular ways and uh, helping us see even more, even these points where God is showing up in these two uh, practices. Um, so I, I appreciate um, that sense. It isn't just a group of people getting together and doing something that is mm -hmm. happening, but it is, it is a, a layer of mystery that uh, something happens in us and through us as we gather uh, so that we are, we are more, uh, we are seen more like the people of God that we should be as we go out from these moments. And, and, you know, rightly so there is a distinguished uh, distinction between baptism and Lord's supper and that baptism is a one-off event that starts that initiates something. And, and the Lord's supper is an event that continues our thinking about that week after week after week. Um, I think that's uh, I, one of the images that goes through my mind is, the old Hot Wheels. Um, I don't know. Did you play with Hot Wheels when you were younger, Jeremy? I had a friend that had Hot Wheels. I did. I had micro uh, machines too. And and uh, there was always this little uh, to keep them running. There was like a, a little uh, a crank up deal that that uh, when the car got to a certain point in the track, you could hook into this thing and it would shoot the car out and run around the track. And so you can kind of keep the Hot Wheels going automatically. And I feel like sometimes that's what the spirit does in the midst of our assembly and our communion is, mm. is propel us forward uh, through the week in a particular way as we, as we worship together. Um, I think that's what that does. Uh, so one of the things I think is the, uh, beyond what the authors do in going to the history or how the, the sacramental theology shows up in, the uh, our tradition and in the history of the church uh they have some really good um, i would call it some curriculum moments uh in this um, when they're going through it about baptism and the lord's supper i feel like uh, that they they put together something that could be perceived as curriculum okay uh, that that could be taken when they, it's a section is a meaning of sacraments uh, where they're pulling from this document uh, called baptism, Eucharist and ministry. Again, it brings some great theology, uh, great thoughts about this. And it outlines uh, these sacraments in a particular way that, that I think gives us an opportunity uh, that could be, something that we teach uh, particularly about baptism to those who are looking or seeking baptism, looking to understand it. It could shape a conversation that helps people understand what's happening in this moment uh, that we're about to go. I know that a lot of times we focus on the, uh, the almost the crisis conversion or the moment. Let's, this is it. I want to get saved. And so I'm getting baptized and I don't really understand what's happening in all that. Mm -hmm. And, and one of the things that the, you know, the Christian church has done in, throughout history has been, uh, has a good example of, of preparing people for that moment. So it's not just a, 
a a whim or a quick move. It's a it, it may be emotionally charged, but also it's uh, it's also thoughtful, and I'm making a, a a fuller commitment than more than a moment, but for a, a lifetime. And so, I like I like the this idea of participation in Christ's life, death, and resurrection, conversion, pardoning, and cleansing, gift of the Spirit, incorporation into the body of Christ, uh, sign of the kingdom, um, thanksgiving to the Father, memorial of Christ, invocation of the Spirit, communion of the faithful, the meal of the kingdom. So it kind of goes from, from baptism to the Lord's Supper in this. And so you I see that as an opportunity to lay out an outline for those seeking to become Christians, new Christians, and even a way as for veteran Christians to come revisit uh, these things and to maybe seek new meaning in those practices. So almost like a catechism of the sacraments or a sacramental catechism. Yeah. Uh, like a, a, a teaching, um, uh, I don't want to call it a series even because, but because uh, I, I don't want to, I don't like what that presupposes, but uh, just like, well, like you said, I mean, I, really, as you began talking, the thought occurred to me that I have, I have taught sacramentally without fully understanding it. Uh, for example, a while back, some years back now, I began talking about baptism as a beginning and not as an ending because I had perceived that folks were thinking that we, you know, we front load all the work. We, we study with somebody, we get them to the point where they're baptized and then, you know, what happens next? Well, they come to church, we, they should read their Bible and so on. But I, I began talking about baptism as, look, you're actually, so this first point, you're being buried with Christ. You're rising with him. This is a new life. Baptism is a beginning point for the new life, which is a life of discipleship. And as we're, as we're going through this, I realized that uh, I, I've, talked, I've talked about some of these in, in my teaching. I, I, <laughs> I've been sacramental, even if I haven't understood the phrase uh, with all of that, I've, I've talked about some of these things to do with the Lord's Supper when I've done communion talks or, or even when I've, when I've preached or taught about it, I've, I've talked about some of these different things. And so, um, so I think there's, there's a, a way in which if this notion of, of sacramentalism is new or maybe even off-putting, to some of the folks that are listening to the to the podcast, there I guess maybe I would encourage you to think about how does some of these points resonate with you? Because the word isn't isn't the problem. The way that the word has potentially been used by different groups or in your particular history might be something you disagree with, but the fact remains that if we've understood baptism or communion in any of the ways that you've just gone over in, in, in that list there, then 
something sacramental has pervaded in your experience. That's, I, that's what I felt like when mm -hmm. I first encountered sacramental theology. Uh, and I encountered it with, without someone calling it sacramental theology. I encountered it with uh, these, uh, these, I don't know, ideas, metaphors, uh, this depth into what I was doing and what things meant. And it, it really embedded me into my baptism. It, instead of looking at my baptism as something that happened long ago, it began to be something I carried with me. Um, there's, I think it's Calvin or maybe it's Luther, one of the two. I don't know if I got that right or not. I think it is Luther who, who kind of leaned into the statement. I am baptized. Not, not I was baptized. I am mm. baptized. And I carry that with me in the present, something that happened long ago in my life on my timeline is something that I carry with me in the present. And to me, that's the depth of it. It's not a, not something I checked off back there where, you, you know, that, that changes the question, am I saved or not? It's, it's something I live with. Hmm. and I live out of and I it, it paves the way for me to go forward it is if I'm supposed to live my life daily denying myself and taking up my cross I am participating in Christ's life death and resurrection is what you know Paul says in Romans 6 powerful powerful passage about baptism about participating in the death burial resurrection about this, the conversion, pardoning, and cleansing, it is something that's happening to me over and over and over again as I live, as I become more Christ-like, more, like, uh, more like Jesus. Uh, this gift of the Spirit is renewed in me every day, and I discover it more and more each, each, each day as I, as I move along in my life. I carry that with me. Mm. I carry that with me into communion. I carry that with me into worship i carry that with me into relationships i carry that with me into ministry it's about the presence of god it's about the presence of god in these things and and they they, they travel along with us mm -hmm. rather than just mere activities yeah and i like in there so they have five uh curriculum points to use your word about uh about the lord's supper and i like that they that they, of course, rightly, I mean, it's not like I need to provide comment on this, but they, they include memorial as one of them. So they don't exclude the main function that we've come to in the Lord's Supper. But they teach that, that, that that's kind of like a little bit of movement towards what the fullness of this could be. And I, I really like that because there's no... There's no critique that we've been doing it wrong. It's just, it's, it's, it's promoting that, that we can build on 
what we're already doing. I think you and I, and some of the, the commenting that we did back and forth anticipating this week, we're excited about talking about this because we, we both of us believe that, that our fellowship's emphasis on the Lord's Supper and on baptism are some of the, the strengths that we have. And what this chapter is doing is helping us think about how to make those strengths even stronger. Totally agree with that. I love the way you say that. Um, these are our strengths and it's not a critique of what we have been doing as in we're doing it wrong. It's an opening the door and showing us how much more there is to what we're doing and without losing uh, these things. Uh, it's broadening the picture, broadening the metaphor, broadening the, the truth of what's happening. And, and I love it. I just, I soaked that up in the middle of my, you know, my church experience, my, uh, my, my college experience, both grad and undergrad, uh, the churches I was part of, I was, I was fortunate to be with people who, who thought like this and helped open my mind uh, this way. And I love it. It, it excites me about being a disciple. It excites me about baptizing someone and it excites me about communion um, mm -hmm. each week. It doesn't, I know one of the critiques of, of traditions that don't take communion every week uh, is that, you know, we just want to make it special. And I know it sounds like a, maybe I'm making fun of them, but uh, I, and maybe I am, maybe I could be critiqued about that, but I, it does not, doing it every week does not make it less special. And because there's so much in it. So uh, so I think that here's uh, what we're what we're not going to have time to get to today, and we'll pick up in a, in a in a part two of this chapter. I think is this book opens up at some of the most practical points of the book itself, right here in this chapter about what we can do uh, to help us broaden our understanding of what we're doing in baptism and, and uh, communion. Uh, we'll, I, we can talk about that next time. Yeah, that sounds good to me. I I was uh, writing down, we can subtitle that one, Strengthening Our Strengths. I like it. Uh, which I think is good. I mean, this, uh, I, I'm just, I'm thankful that you recommended or suggested that we go over this book. This is probably um, not, not a book I would have picked uh, from the get-go. I, I think, and Greg talked about this in his interview, they they deliberately intended to be a little more academic than um, than popular level, which is fine. But for that reason, I I might have taken a pass on it. But I'm I'm glad that you suggested it. I think it's been really good, and I I know I've heard from uh, from some of our listeners that they appreciate it. It's helping them find a it's helping them better situate themselves within our tradition. It's helping to highlight some of what our strengths are and uh to you know for me it's it's just it's been good to um i i don't i don't know if this is the right phrase but from time to time i've felt some embarrassment over 
some of some of the the mishaps within our tradition. But this book is helping me to remember that we stand on a foundation of men and women that have uh, taken the Bible seriously and have done their best within their context to interpret what that means for uh, for the on for ongoing life in Christ, which is discipleship. And you've you I wanted to comment on this earlier. I'm only going to say a word about it, and then maybe more next time. But you emphasized uh, assembly again, and just th- this whole notion that discipleship is something that is communal. Uh, the, and the book says in community. Uh, it's so important that we remember that this is a this is something that we are are working on together in Christ as the body of Christ grows and. Uh, moves forward on mission. I appreciate that, Jeremy. That's a, a good way to kind of bring this to a close uh, so we can pick up uh, the conversation for next time. Um, and just as you mentioned, you've heard from some of our listeners. Uh, I would love to hear from any of our listeners some things that you've learned uh, already about this book. Maybe uh, how are you using the book in your church or what are you thinking about? Uh, how are you thinking about using it? Um, and uh, ways that uh, maybe this podcast is helping you uh, understand what you're reading a little bit better or interact with it a little differently. Uh, so, uh, you know, drop us a line at, uh, on our Facebook page, um, and uh, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, you can reach both of us there at, at, at our Facebook page. We're both on Facebook. Uh, Jeremy Hoover, uh, I'm on Facebook. Stephen Carazel, both of us are on Twitter. Jeremy Hoover and uh, Stephen Carazel. So we've been able to, to keep our, keep our names in those handles. And so uh, find us there uh, and other ways. So we're thankful for you being with us today. And uh, we look forward to making up this conversation. Thank you for listening to this discipleship conversation. We invite you to share this episode with your friends and tune in next time for another conversation. You can find previous episodes at discipleshipconversations.com. Jeremy coaches leaders and helps them find personal growth by aligning their actions with their values. He also leads discipleship cohorts. To connect with Jeremy, go to his website at jeremyhoover.com or contact him by email at jeremyhoover at gmail.com. Stephen provides discipleship and ministry coaching through various organizations. To connect with Stephen, go to his website at stephencarazel.wordpress.com. The music you hear through the episode is by audionautics.com. Thank you for listening.